Yes, I've got my mission to distract me From friendly folks I had to leave back home And I got my potatoes more exciting than tornadoes Potatoes, potatoes, buy my fresh potatoes Terraforming Martian soil, just put them in a pot to boil Hey, everybody, and welcome to Flooping the Pig. I'm Brad Garoon, and I'm here with Kevin Ford. What's up, Kevin? I'm good. I'm, it's a little bittersweet, as this will be our final episode for a little bit. Yeah. Justin, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm a little conflicted, because as much as I like talking to everyone, because of my life, it suddenly got much more complicated <laughs> to do this. Um, so I, there's a sense of, like... You know how like a pet dies and you you feel like a sense of relief and like you're kind of guilty about that because you love that pet but you also yes. don't have to like clean up its stuff anymore. So I'm I'm a little relieved that I can just like not like leave my daughter and like cook something for her early or just give her instructions on how to heat her food and then come do this. But at the same time, I don't have many outlets to opine about nonsense. So uh, yes, I will miss that outlet for sure. And and you guys, you said instructions on how to heat her food, not how to eat her food, right? Well, I mean, to be honest, there's been a little bit of a regression, so she's not always sure which hole to put it in. Okay, I'm going to very quickly pivot to uh, Distant Lands. So, yeah, the the Cartoon Network show is over. We we did our wrap up last week, and then um, last year, Adventure Time announced because um, every single major media company in the world decided that it needed to pivot to streaming without much of a strategy. HBO and uh, its parent company, well, this is Warner, right? Yeah, it's Warner Media, which owns Cartoon Network, decided Adventure Time will be a part of that expansion. Uh, and so we're getting distant lands. The episodes are coming out at unbeknownst to us right now times in the future, but one has already dropped. It dropped shortly after the launch of HBO Max, or maybe even with the HBO Max. Um, it was called BMO. Um, Kevin, take us as quickly as you can through the 40-minute-long BMO. I will do my best. So, yes, it's called a BMO, or as I would have preferred it to be called, BMO in space. You like that? Are you embarrassed? Are you no, embarrassed? not at all. Oh, I'm, I'm very I'm happy with what so I did. so embarrassed for you. Why? I hated that. <laughs> hey, well, I'm someone proud of out you. there liked it. Thank I'm you, proud Justin. Of you, I appreciate that. So, anywho... Bimo is in space in a rocket ship by himself. He ends up stranded because a meteor shower messes up the rocket ship he's in. And this green creature that's like an eyeball that Bimo calls Olive because of its color takes over his ship and brings him to a planet of pods called the Drift after like a mini 2001 Space Odyssey type trip. Meanwhile, on the Drift, there's a rabbit named Y4 doing some research, observing elves and shell people fighting over a transmogger. And Bimo's ship crashes into it, and they go to attack Bimo, but Y4 grabs him and helps him escape, running through a village of folks who kind of look like Cuber to a secret lab. We learn there's this big boss named Mr. M, who is the one looking for the transmonger, and that Y4 has ulterior motives for saving Bimo. There's maybe something she can use him for. Uh, Bimo actually encourages Y4 to choose her own name, which she does, Y5, and Bimo approves of that. 
there's this atmosphere breach that sucks Bemo's ship away, but Bemo fixes the breach and saves a bunch of elves and shell folks and decides that since he is abandoned and has time to spare, he deputizes Y5 and makes himself the sheriff to help fix the problems of the drift. So Y5 brings Bemo into a space station in this advanced type city looking place. They pass by this jungle pod where creatures who have entered turn to strange and dangerous things. They save a blue lard uh, that BMO names Ricky that's going to be eaten by its octopus owner. And BMO also steals this little staff from it. And they briefly see another robot that sort of looks like a Mo singing the Frasier theme song. So Wi-Fi brings BMO to their home where their parents want to shut him off and pick him apart for Mr. M. But just then, BMO is brought into action by Y5 to help save citizens from drowning another pod. Mr. M picks them up and brings them to this unity pod that this character named Hugo is building. Uh, fortunately for BMO, he's not made of any parts they can use, but they ask for his help in retrieving something called the Genesis Crystal out of the jungle pod, which is the final piece needed for the unity pod to work. Uh, BMO ditches Y5 and goes with Mr. M because... He's mad at Y5 when she tells her mom playing deputy was just a dumb game she went along with. So inside the jungle pod, Bemo falls into a pit of crabs, but they grow wings and Bemo is able to fly out. And Y5 learns that uh, from a memory stick that they find when getting a new pair of boots, that Hugo is identifying all these valuable en- elements from each pod and taking them and realizes that by taking these elements out, each pod will ultimately die and... Uh, this whole planet, the drift will be left to collapse and Hugo and Mr. M will get to leave. Uh, BMO finds the Genesis crystal, but gets trapped by Mr. M in the jungle pod and ends up being ripped apart by a creature inside. Mr. M returns with no BMO. So Y5 goes to reach her and she's able to use the staff they got earlier for the sea lard Ricky to help her get to BMO. They use, uh, the robot who looked like a Mo earlier to put BMO back together. And they tell a story about how. Hugo biohack the drift and he only really cares about people who if they're they're good for him and uh, puts over all of us a great service droid that saved them. So BMO exposes Hugo for only trying to save himself and his loyal following. The drift will end up collateral damage. The, the sea lards and shell people come together to take the power out of the Unipod, which ultimately saves the drift. But Hugo still takes with him most of the resources of the drift. So the people have to agree to come together to rebuild, which they do. And Y5's parents apologize to her for not listening. Uh, BMO rides Ricky the Lard into space. Olive joins Hugo in his pod. And Ricky actually tells BMO after they crash land onto an Earth looking planet that their name is Twinkle Toes and goes away. And it turns out they've crash landed outside of the treehouse where BMO sees a young Finn with a sword playing with a punk rock looking Jake and BMO with a smile ask, who's that? So we learned that we weren't in the future, which I kind of thought, but we're uh, looking at a little prequel here. So Brad, what did you think of the first distant lands episode? Um, I thought it was okay. I did not love, although I understand why that, or I understand that this happens a lot when cartoons, you know, finish their run and start something new, you, you know, the, that the animation tends to get switched up a little bit. So I didn't like that Y5 and her family were animated like um, anime characters rather than Adventure Time characters, mostly in not having well-defined eyes, uh, big eyes, but not defined at the bottom. And then a lot of the backgrounds, um, especially in the um, in the desert 
part of the drift were very anime looking. So I didn't love that, but I get it. Uh, I mean, you see it in like the Simpsons movie and then, and then post HD episodes of the Simpsons. And you saw it in the Flintstones movie and the Jetsons movies and all, all, all those Hanna-Barbera things that ended up on the big screen. They all did this. Um, and Adventure Time did it too. Uh, I thought the story was... <laughs> okay, I, I don't mean to be rude because it's not your fault. But I felt like your um, recap of the episode felt dragged out. And it's because the episode felt dragged out. This isn't a 40-minute story. It's probably like a double episode that they stretched out to four episodes, essentially. It brings up, you know, interesting questions like, is Mr. M. Martin Mertens? Probably. Um, is that going to... I don't know if that's interesting unless he's going to be a presence in all of the Distant Lands episodes, which he might. But just on his own, like knowing that he might have been disguised as someone else being a jerk on a different planet, not that interesting. Um, again, unless we see more of that, but I don't think, in fact, I know that the next episode is not a prequel, but rather is a continuation of regular adventure time just based on its description. But I will say things I liked about it. The first two minutes of this episode are some of the funniest minutes in adventure time. I think just BMO being by himself was really funny. The universe building of space, which we sadly probably won't see again, but I hope we do in the rest of Distant Lands, was interesting. It looked, I, I think it was pretty heavily influenced by the comic book saga and, like you said, 2001 Space Odyssey. And then there's like interesting questions like, did BMO terraforming Mars, how would that have interfered with Mars being the food producer? Is that, was Mo the one who set that up in the first place? And BMO is just helping him out with that. I'm, I'm also just sort of curious why um, why things like Frasier and Cheers, uh, and uh, I think the Jeffersons, is the Jeffersons that was the other theme song that was used in the show? Feel free to bail me out, anybody. I can't remember. Okay, I'm curious how they chose. I mean, those are classic shows, but um, it definitely wasn't MASH because that theme song is way too dark. And I, I did like that football predates the show. That was interesting. I didn't know that BMO had football inside him that whole time. I thought it sort of came later, but that was kind of cool. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, it was kind of medium. And then the the fact that it was a prequel, I think, worked, but um, less interesting than maybe they thought it was. I don't know. What do you think, Justin? I mean, I liked it quite a bit, but I was, if you tell me, okay, Adventure Time is, they're still going to keep doing it. It's going to come back. And I go, great. And I, and I say, and it's going to be set in, in space, in a place we've never been before. Great. And it stars BMO. Great. And they're a little sheriff. Great. Like, I can't, I already went in just happy that all those things were going to occur. So I would say that I would agree with you on the, that the content of the episode was um, stretched and, and not, not all that interesting. And some of the lessons with, um, with the parents and with Wi-Fi were, were pretty hammy. Um, but I was just so thrilled to have adventure time still uh and and to get another episode and to have all the elements that i really like about adventure time the things i love the most just the the little throwaway gags and uh the lines like when bimo threatens one of the little bugs and the bug and bimo walks away and the bug's like oh i'm so scared like little things like that um always thrill me and then the little characters that they have to save when they're drowning and he says i think i forgot something can i go back like stuff like that um, this episode felt like it was filled with a lot of those little um, uh, sort of side moments that I, I really love about Adventure Time. So there was enough of those that I liked it. Um, I liked everything to do with the initial space battle with the shells and the elves. Um, 
I, yeah, I'm, I, I don't know what the, the reoccurrence of the Kelsey Grammer uh, show theme songs is. It may, I asked, I looked at my daughter and said maybe it was a reference to Binging with Babish because that's his favorite show. And he got kind of famous for uh, doing the what his, I think his first video was the, the time sandwich. Um, and that used to be that song used to play in the beginning of his episodes. Um, so it may be probably not though. Um, yeah, I but, think, I think it's more just Fraser is in both of those shows and, and it was a cute little throwback. I, I, I I'm, I'm going to let you finish, but I did like that. The, the little dummy who said, I have to go back. I forgot something had sort of foreshadowed that by saying that he was too stupid to save himself. <laughs> right um just little things like that that made it feel enough like adventure time to kind of overlook yeah the the the, the different animation styles and even that was easy to hand away because you say well they're in a place they've never been before so maybe that's you know something to do with it and um i think it's so the thing with mark uh, first of all it's obviously Martin. like they can't there was just too many the sheer volume of references it was definitely Martin. Uh, the reason they couldn't show Martin, which is confusing why they used Martin, is because if they showed him, then you you wouldn't know it was a prequel. Or you would know it was a prequel straight away because he would have looked younger. Um, so they kept him covered up because they'd have to show him as a young man. And then you would know, oh, that's I'm, I'm looking at a, a prequel rather than the moment that BMO gets torn apart. You don't know when this takes place. So for all you know, this is a there there can be some element of permanence to this. So uh, keeping that uh, secret is, uh, I, I guess, that's the decision they made. So they wouldn't have to um, uh, wouldn't have to show it and, and give their hand away. I don't know if it was that necessary, other than just the one-off shot of little Finn and like the going through the punk phase, Jake um, fighting each other. That may have been worth it just for that. Um, that moment but uh i thought it was good i i liked it i i laughed quite a bit i thought the the villain was was interesting um and i i don't know i thought it was cute i didn't i i've watched it twice now and i think i liked it the second time even more than the first time uh what'd you think Kevin? just real quick it, i mean first off it's definitely better the second time because you pick up on more of the jokes too i guess and kevin i'd like you to weigh in on this also i just didn't really feel like there was a point to having martin slash mr m there because it's sort of a hat on a hat like we hugo's the villain so what was i mean may, look and i also say this knowing there's three more episodes and maybe there's more of this uh with him but other than that i just can't figure out why he was in that is something i was going to bring up so yes my i felt as if my recap was a little what was like you said it felt a little bloated, but this also felt a little bloated. And I didn't really understand Mr. M's relationship to Hugo or even really Hugo's relationship to the drift itself. Like what is him taking all these power elements out of the pods do? How does it get, why does he need this unity pod to get away? Like, is he just a jerk or is there some bigger thing to it? I kind of got myself lost wondering like, what is, what is this even all about? Sure. And like, we know Martin would do something like that. So why not just have Martin be the villain as Mr. M, if you want to keep the prequel, I think that's a good point, Justin, that they wanted like, you know, they wanted you to think, Oh, BMO could uh, be in danger here. If it's, if it's a prequel, he can't be. Um, but why not just have Mr. M be the villain? And then something Justin touched on, uh, not only was Y5's relationship with her parents, Hammy, it also like, 
didn't really fit in this and and was sort of waved off in the end. I just think only I just kind of wish this was Bino's adventure and having like uh, an animal character that sort of looks like Finn's hat um, or has some resemblance to to uh, not Finn's hat, um, Fiona's hat. I just I don't know. It felt like this was not the most well thought out. Yeah, I don't I don't want to say I'm not interested in exploring new characters, but these new characters I did not find myself all that interested in exploring further beyond this episode or ever, really. Uh, I did think with Mr. M when I first heard the voice, I was like, did they get Jeff Bridges to do a voice for this show? But then uh, like later I heard it again and I was like, oh, OK, that's yeah, that's that's who that is. Yeah, um, definitely Bo Bridges. Bo Bridges, for sure. Uh, I will say so much funny stuff from BMO in this episode. Like just, it feels like almost everything he says is really funny and, and quite truthfully, you know, talking about how the new characters didn't do much for me. It really felt like it was him and Mr. M who had the best stuff in this episode anyways, who are characters we already knew, uh, which is fine. Um, I did like the crabs cause that kind of goes with the, the crab stuff at the end of the season and, and BMO mentioning them sometimes. Um, but you're like, so you talk about like if, cause BMO was on a mission to Mars, like what if he had gotten to Mars or if you tell me about a BMO prequel, I immediately think to learning more about Mo in the Mo factory, which is interesting to me, but this is not what I would have wanted out of a BMO prequel. If that's what you told me what it was going to be. And even at 40 minutes length, I feel like it felt a little longer than like our mini movies that we saw, not the eight episode ones, but like come along with me. It definitely felt longer than that. Uh, so it's like I at the end of this, I like my my thought in my head was just like, you know, it, I had some fun, but I really didn't need to see BMO get to Finn and Jake like it was fun, I guess, seeing that moment. But I don't I didn't really care about where he came from, more or less. I would have liked to have seen more of his infancy and how he came to be with his personality in the Mo factory or him interacting on Mars sounds incredibly interesting. Uh, but I'm like, you know, after such a satisfying Cartoon Network ending, I'm like, why do we even need this? And, and, I'm, and I'm not talking from like a business standpoint, but just from like a story standpoint. I kind of wish that they had found a way to hold off on this until they were ready to at least tell us when the other episodes would drop. Because I feel almost unprepared to talk about this in like the Adventure Time canon when there might be more that fleshes this out in other episodes. Even though those other episodes, at least two of them, probably won't have BMO in them. Yeah, you have to imagine there's there might be some connective tissue between the four, though. So I understand where you're coming from. There's some continuity stuff as well that sort of threw me. So especially with with the Martin thing. So about I'd say like halfway through when I decided, yes, this is definitely 100 percent Martin. I thought that this may take place somewhere after because then you got to think, OK, when does it take place? Uh, and I was thinking maybe it took place after uh, Martin broke out of uh, prison, of uh, the the space prison he was in, and, and abandoned Finn. And the last time we saw him say something in that moment was, hey, does this thing have air? And then it kind of cuts out. I thought maybe this was still the Martin that was desperate to uh, flee, uh, desperate to, uh, was still trying to escape what he thought maybe someone coming after him. So I, I was like, okay, that that kind of makes sense. So the ending, while um, acute, uh, sort of 
uh, and made me realize, okay, that's why they didn't show Martin because they, I guess, they would have had to show him as a young man um, or younger than he than he was. Uh, it was still so. Where's this? Yeah, now his motivations are all murky. Um, w- without that as as a backdrop, without me thinking, okay, maybe he's just in, in constant desperate escape mode and he's just using this guy maybe the whole plan was to get this guy to build it and then bump him off and leave without him i don't know um uh, that's i, oh, I guess I, that's I possible. think i think that was definitely the plan i just don't think you need the other guy like martin is a gadget guy why couldn't martin do this i, I don't know it just it really felt to me like this didn't need two villains this was this was a one villain this is a one villain story um yeah, i guess maybe they wanted to they wanted to well, I'm gonna say happy ending, but a, a little better ending or some redemption for, or some motivation for that guy. And I guess it does fit Martin that he could have done it, but he is his whole deal is manipulation. So it does kind of make sense that like he could do it, but he'd rather just convince someone else to do it. Um, but yeah, it does. It, they don't ever reconcile that relationship because you're, I guess, you're just supposed to understand that like it's Martin and he does these types of things. But I think that makes it like you said, work less well. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Kevin, was there, was there a snail or many snails in this? There were no snails in this episode. And in fact, I found this quote from our friends at the adventure time wiki. The snail does not appear in adventure time, distant lands. According to Adam Muto, they decided to not include him in order to make distant lands distinct from the original series. I don't know how distinct that makes it from the original series, but there you go. So I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, not that I need snails, but why make this distinct? Like, okay, first off, do you think that's going to make it distinct from here? An Easter egg that people like? The opening crawl was like nothing we've ever seen before. The opening, that's not a crawl, but the opening to the show. It was, you know, inside Bemo's body and there was no song. No, I hate that. I hate that so much. Yeah, I will say that that sounds like a, an ego choice. That sounds like a something you do when you realize that you're you're thinking well i don't want anyone to associate that with with the because this now now this is my baby i'm not just working off someone else's i could consider this mine and the old way that that Penn did it was he'd, he'd have this but i don't want to do it that way so um it feels like it just a kind of an arbitrary choice that uh just annoys fans so i don't know why you do it well yeah and i don't and i don't know why you'd want to disassociate this from the original series that if if I wasn't doing this podcast, that would make me less inclined to want to watch this, knowing that it's not. I mean, it's connected, but to do little things like that to separate it to to almost portray like, oh, it's not connected, is a turnoff. I will say this too that the protecting of Martin, uh, and there's another con. There's like two more BMO related continuity things. I'm I'm curious about um, what you guys think about it. But um, protecting Martin does mean if this is the first time you ever saw Adventure Time, then you get you kind of get the twist the other way where you you're going to meet him and if you you know if you think about the voices or you're kind of uh you start picking up on his you know on his catchphrases and his mannerisms um early on you go wait a minute was that scumbag like from the from bemo was that is that his dad like when you meet him so it i guess it does kind of work that way if you watch it reverse uh as well so it does kind of preserve that um but yeah, I don't know why they, I don't, 
want to do that. Um, well, okay, so it had no snail. It had. I, I agree. I think it's an interesting choice if you watch it that way. Who would watch it that way, though? And, well, uh, uh, yeah, that's true, especially when you have access to like every single episode. Right, it's all, it's all on there. If you have access to Distant Lands, you have access to Adventure Time. Well, no, because it's all on. Wait, is it all on HBO Max? I think everything from Cartoon Network is on HBO Max. Oh, because I'm still watching it. It's funny. As we were going through these, I was still using Hulu. Yeah, to watch. I like it. On, it's on there, like too. Um, um, let's yeah. see. Uh, but there were a lot of guest voices. Her, I guess they're not guest voices. They're just voices because this is a whole <laughs> different thing. Um, Gloria Curta was Y5. D. Bradley Baker was the centipede and the crab. Uh, Anthony Birch was Sweetie. Ashley Birch. Um, what you might you'll recognize that some of these names are people who were other people in Adventure Time. Um, Ashley Birch was Darling Simon. I don't know how to Simone Geertz. I don't know if that's how you pronounce her last name, but this is the coolest bit of casting in this. So Wait, Simone, she was in this? Yeah, she was CG. I don't know if it's Seago or CGO. I can't remember. Um, but she was the busted up robot because oh, of course she, she makes, was right because she makes busted up robots. Oh. Um, that's her whole thing. Uh, John Hodgman was Shafter, which was one of the elves. Uh, Tom Kenny was Y5's dad. Randall Park was Hugo. Uh, Stephen Root was Mr. M and Bob, who was Bob was one of the shells. Uh, Cole Sanchez was Cole and Lenny Longlegs. Michelle Wong was KS2. John DiMaggio did a bunch of voices. Jeremy Shada did a bunch of voices. Hinden Walsh did a bunch of voices. Uh, that's uh, Jake, Finn, and Pub- Bubblegum, um, respectively. And then Pendleton Ward did some of the voices too. Uh, so that's all the that's all the voices for this. For this thing i'm getting more negative as we talk about it more <laughs> well so another thing that i well i know we're this is normally the point where we uh pivot to talk about other things but um I, like little things like didn't uh it seems like bmo knows mo at this point and in the series meeting mo was like a deal because he didn't know who mo was wasn't it yeah, well, we don't know if he knows Mo. Like, Mo, Mo may have wiped his memory and then sent him on his mission. That's what I'm going with. I could have sworn he name-dropped Mo, though. So did oh, I. Did he? I know he was in, like, a Mo capsule and doing, like, clearly was doing a Mo mission. But we also don't know what happens between the time he lands back in Ooh and Finn is 12. Right? Finn's, like, 5 to 8 when he lands. Yeah, very true. It's true. I um, There was one more callback to a Demo episode that I was... I was kind of simultaneously pleased and irritated by, and it was the when BMO felt like they were dying and they were going through the range of emotions again. Um, yeah, I, I was pleased to see that because, and this is uh, a callback to the episode with Amo, where yeah, the um, more you mow, the mow you know. Yeah, where they murdered Amo and then went through the and basically grew up in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe, oh, this was a, this was the moment. That's what this symbolized. This was a you know symbolized growing up and and growing through. But what it may have just been is just how BMO processes a, a, a like a I don't want to say a tragedy, but just a maybe like a like a super a murder. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. And in this case, their own murder. Um, and so uh, it made it a little less um, I don't know special in that moment. But it was I, I just I love that as an illustration of of what like we go through in our emotions and who we decide to listen to ends up being kind of who we are. And, uh, so that was nice that it came back, but it, I don't know. It makes that moment in the, um, uh, in the AMO episode, uh, I don't know, a little less special. I agree with that. 
So that's it for Distant Lands and Bemo for this episode. Because we're only talking about one episode when we do these Distant Lands episodes, we're going to endeavor to also talk about other projects that either Pendleton Ward or maybe other people from Adventure Time uh, spearheaded. So the first thing we're diving into is probably the most difficult thing we're going to dive into. And it's uh, the Midnight Gospel, which was created by Pendleton Ward and Duncan Trussell and came out on Netflix this year. The Duncan Trussell Family Hour was, a, or I think still is, a podcast that Duncan Trussell does where he talks to other celebrities, but also people in the New Age, yoga, meditation, um, magic, with a K, uh, world, um, spiritual spirituality world, um, and talks to them about different ways of looking at existence basically so he made this podcast and episodes of this podcast are the centerpiece for this animated show where a guy named um, clancy is living in a world called the chromatic ribbon and uh, he has a simulator that looks like a piece of female anatomy that he goes into to escape and also in the world in these simulations he meets uh, these are simulations of worlds that have already ended or are ending and uh, he meets people in them and then records a podcast with them. And so that's the, sort of the conceit of the show. And it's sometimes well done and it's sometimes pretty sloppy. I think deliberately so. But a lot of it is is pretty tough to grapple with. This is not a show for children. Um, this is not for the same audience that Adventure Time is for at all. I don't even think it's for a regular adult audience. I think you have to, if you don't buy into this by the fourth, by halfway through, you're probably not going to buy into much of it at all. Um, and I think there are certain personalities, mine included, that are averse to this kind of stuff. Um, like, I am not into spirituality very much, and I, I don't have a ton of patience for it. But um, but I powered through here because I really like Penn Ward. And mo even more so, I like Jesse Moynihan, who is the artistic director of this show, and it really showed. If you follow Jesse Moynihan, his blog, or um, forming his comic, or his Instagram, uh, his fingerprints are all over this, although he and Penn came up together at CalArts, so that makes sense. Um, and so I just figured we'd like, we'd, uh, we're not going to go through this episode by episode. There are eight episodes, but I think we're going to sort of talk about this uh, as an overall, as an overall show and what, what we got out of it. Um, maybe in light of, of, you know, watching this after watching Penn's last great creation, which was Adventure Time. Uh, Justin, let's start with you. I, I know you, you texted us and said you were having a hard time in the beginning. You, you weren't enjoying it. Did that turn around at all? I wouldn't say it turned around. Uh, it, it veered away from, uh, you know, someone stick me in the eyes with a fork. But uh, it certainly landed on, I'd rather be doing something else. <laughs> um, I, uh, like you, I have very little patience for, um, spirituality and like, um, uh, I just, the best way I can describe this series, you ever have a, a book that you're really forward to you're looking forward to, like, not just reading the book, but just like, like getting in a nice corner, tucking away and, and enjoying it, or like going to see a movie that you're really looking forward to with someone you care about or listening to like an album by yourself you've been really excited about and you want to listen it to it by yourself. Um, and you're, you're super jazzed to do it. And you, you, you do that. Um, have you ever tried to do all three at the same time? That's what this felt like. It felt like nothing. It felt like three things that were interesting that all stacked on top of each other. And you went, Oh, it was very difficult to even, 
appreciate any aspect because when, as you're sort of overwhelmed by the visuals, uh, you're trying to make sense of what they're talking about. So when you focus on what they're talking about, and by the time you focus on the visuals again, they've completely changed where they are and what they're doing because it's basically unrelated to what they're talking about most of the time. And then by the time you kind of get assembled, some song starts in the middle and it's really nice. And then you notice it's over and you're not in the same place with the same people as you started before. It's just a really bad format to enjoy anything. Um, and I didn't, I didn't enjoy this. I found my attention wandering often because my brain didn't know what to lock onto because it's just a bunch of swirling lights put into like a television form. I, I, yeah, I did not, I, I don't. And even though like the last episode, which I'm sure we'll get into felt nothing. I was just annoyed most of the time. It, I got, again, I did get less annoyed as we went on, but I, I didn't, get not annoyed. Uh, so this is something I went into without basically knowing anything about it. I think I watched the trailer, but forgot kind of what I saw. So I didn't know it was a podcast with some animation, nor did I know it was so adult, the animation. So like the first one was really jarring because there was a lot of swears. It was hyper violent, but there was a part of me that's like, I think I kind of like this. Uh, Cause I especially like the conversation with Dr. Drew about drugs and things like that. And I thought there was kind of a correlation with the zombie stuff versus the drugs there. But the second one was like even more violent or just as hyper violent. And I'm like, I hope this violence does not continue through the rest of this show. And fortunately it does go off of that direction for most of it. There's definitely more violent parts, but they're not nearly as in your face as the first two. And there are some, some good, interesting topics but there definitely were parts where I thought, like, you know, I think I would enjoy just listening to this without all the background noise at times. Uh, but like the episode where Clancy uh, tries to get the ice cream for his one fan, uh, the one where he tries to get the hose for the water slide, and the last one were definitely the three I liked the most. I also like the the guy who comes, like the maintenance man who tries to come and, and fix his house, and then he gets stuck in the thing. Like, that was funny. So there's some funny moments and some interesting guest voices here. Um, and I definitely thought the last episode was the best of them. Um, very touching the conversation with his mother and very relatable in some respects to, to my own, my own experiences. But I think my, my, my takeaway from it was, I don't know that I'd watch a second season unless like you, Brad watched it and said like, Hey, this is going to be worth your time. Um, I did really like Charlotte, the dog though. Um, I, I don't. I, I so I have. I didn't rewatch this. I just watched it when it was on, and I. Uh, it's pretty vivid in my memory. I don't remember much about Charlotte the dog. I will tell you that. Um, so I like this more than than both of you. I think, except the second episode, which I despised. Um, I was grossed out. It it violated my uncanny valley problem, and um, I thought it was gross. I thought the conversation was boring and kind of up its own ass, and I hated it. And I I didn't think that. Um, and Lamont or Raghu Marcus were, were interesting. Um, I liked the first episode. I don't think it set the tone well for the rest of the show because um, his conversation with Drew Pinsky about drugs, um, it, it wasn't as, um, it was much, it wasn't as esoteric as the other topics. It, I think it gave you a sense of, and I think they did it on purpose. I think it gave you like a false hope that this stuff would be pretty easy to digest. And I think to Justin's point, this show is very hard to digest. 
and not because just like the top that the topics are sort of out of this world and esoteric, but because of the reasons he mentioned. The animation is difficult. Um, the the visuals are in a lot of cases really upsetting to a point that I don't think was always necessary. Um, and some of the conversations are really out there. And it's not the shows the the podcasts are not connected to uh, Clancy's story, which I do think is cute and fun. And I think the way it ends is is pretty interesting. I'm I'm not confident there will be a second season. I so I liked the first episode. I loved the Jason Louv episode where they're in the prison and trying to escape over and over again. That was where I was like, okay, I can keep watching this show and really enjoy it. And I liked everything from there on out. I really, really liked the conversation with Caitlin Doty, um, who played death in the show. And I liked everything that they had to say about how the West and the funeral, uh, like basically the funeral home industry does not do a lot towards making us cope well with death. Um, like I said before, I am not a spiritual person and I have a hard time locking in when it comes to spirituality. I haven't had the major crisis that has made me fall into that. Um, that being said, I do have, I think, a healthy fear of death and an anxiety around death. And I do think that there was something to be said for the things that she was talking about in terms of exposing yourself to sick and dying relatives more so that you can come to terms with this inevitability. I really like that. And I was really moved by the by the final episode where in previous episodes, like sometimes I would be looking at my phone um, and my mind would wander. I was really moved by first off, um, uh, Deneen Fendig, Duncan Trussell's mom, uh, passed away long before this show came out. So sort of having that knowledge and watching it, knowing that this guy coped with his mother's death by creating this piece of art, which and I, and I did find this really artful. Um, I found it really touching and I. And when I first watched the show, when I first thought back on it, I thought, okay, this is a show where it's seven episodes of a weird experiment and then a really sweet love letter to this guy's departed mom that I appreciated a lot and I told a lot of people to watch. And the more I thought about the show, the more I've come to appreciate all of it, um, with the exception of the second episode, because I don't want to watch uh, dog cows get mulched up and smushed together. I hated it. I hated it so much. But as much as I hated it, I really loved um, watching Clancy uh, deal with his mother's death, give birth to her, and have her deal with his death and have them both get uh, swallowed up by a black hole. And then I thought the ending, uh, when he gets back to the chromatic ribbon, which has been destroyed, sorry, he can't go back to the chromatic ribbon. This whole show, and the thing that I found most interesting about it, is that the entire show is about entropy. Because as, uh, first you have Clancy's life, which is falling apart around him because He's mourning his mom. He doesn't know how to do it. He stole from his sister. He bought this thing. He's escaping into this fantasy world to do this project, which I think a lot of us who do projects like this one can relate to. His life is falling apart. And then it turns out his world is falling apart because of these simulators and people's lack of care for them. And then this, I don't know, I don't know what kind of state or wizard government would come in and, and, and to fight him and, kidna- and uh, arrest him or kill him. But because of that confluence of the state and Clancy's basic lack of care for himself, uh, destroy the chromatic ribbon, and then he's dead, right? Or we don't know he's dead, but he and his sister are in this other place, and um, or his dog, rather. He sits down on a bus with all the people who have died in previous uh, episodes, and he asks the guy next to him if they're dead. And I think it must be, 
I would guess that it's archival voice footage of Ramdas, who's a spiritual leader, tells him to just be there and just be present. And, you know, I'm not an adherent of Ramdas or yoga or meditation, but I do think that being present is a great way to spend the short amount of time that we have here well. I liked that as the capper for the show. And um, I don't think the show necessarily needs a second season. I think the way it ended was was right. But if there is one, I'd I'd watch it and I'd be interested to see if they have a framing device that that works. For Justin Sandy, I hope there isn't a second season. Thanks. There's no snails in the Midnight Gospel, but there are a ton of interesting voices. So I'm going to run through them real quick. Dr. Drupinski. So here are the guest voices for the actual podcast guests. Uh, Dr. Drupinski, who you all know, I'm not going to, I don't think I need to say who he is, um, but he was the Loveline host and he's a therapist. Uh, Anne Lamont and Ragu Marcus. Um, I don't really know who they are. They're into spirituality and stuff. I don't know. Uh, Damien Eccles was the guest star of episode three. He was one of the, um, what were they called? There was a murder trial with him and two other people and he spent 18 years in jail. Yeah, uh, I looked it up. That was very fascinating. I forget what the... I mean, there have been so many movies about it uh, because there was a huge outcry for their release because the investigation around the murder was a was a total mess. Anyway, he got the West West Memphis three. It was. It was. Yeah. Thank you. So he talks about his uh, interest in spirituality and magic, but magic being sort of like a non dogmatic spirituality. Trudy Goodman was the guest in episode four. She's a Theravedic meditation and psychotherapy. I guess you would call them experts. I don't know if these things have experts, but. Uh, well, psychotherapy has experts. And I went to her, I'd visited her website. Now she's sharing a lot of anti-racism resources. So that seems like what she's interested in now. Uh, Jason Louvre was the little bird in the prison episode. Uh, he's also also interested in magic and the interconnectedness of things. Yeah, again, this was my favorite non-finale episode. David Nickturn was the, the guest in the following episode. He's a meditation guy. He's also a, a, a songwriter, I think. But I thought that this this episode was the best one, and his character was the best one of framing what was actually going on with Clancy and took some time to actually like dig into that character. Um, I mentioned Cl- Caitlin Doty, I think is how you pronounce her name. She's a mortician who talks about death acceptance. She, she played death. And as I mentioned, Deneen Fendig, uh, Duncan's mom, was in the final episode. But then we had some more fun people you might recognize voices. Uh, Phil Hendry, uh, who has just like the best voice, was the universe simulator. Uh, Stephen Root played Bill Taft and other characters. Maria Bamford played the butt demon and various characters. Doug Lusenhop uh, played Daniel Hoops. Joey Diaz played Chuck Charles. Christina Pajitsky played Babua. Steve Little played Captain Bryce. You'll notice a lot of these are Adventure Time alum. Uh, Johnny Pemberton played Cornelius. We mentioned Drupinski. Natasha Leggero was Peggy. Anne Lamont was, oh, we mentioned Anne Lamont. It's the deer dog. Deer dog, not cow dogs, excuse me. Uh, Polly Shore was Prince Jamroll, which I thought was cool until he transformed and I hated it. Uh, Eddie Pepitone was Bob from the prison, the speaking voice. And then Joanna Warren was Bob's singing voice when he sang at the end of the episode. Dante Pereira Olson was Shanna Regis. Will Oldman was Bubble Max. And Ram Das played himself. Uh, I think he may have been uncredited, but he played himself in the end. And that's all the voices for the Midnight Gospel. I think after when we do the next Adventure Time, we'll either take a look at Bravest Warriors, or maybe Over the Garden Wall, because that was also created by an Adventure Time, the Adventure Time creative director from season one and two. So those are things that we've been thinking about, kicking around, talking about. And the next one, whenever we come back to this. But in the meantime, Justin, what's what's up with your life? I'm at Justin J. Houston on Twitter, and I'm uh, deeply meaningless on YouTube. 
Kevin, what about you? I am on Twitter at KFord13. On this very website, Jerome Cusan and I will keep going with our Better Call Saul podcast through the end of 2020. And then we'll also be on hiatus waiting for the sixth and final season of Better Call Saul, similar to how we're going to be on hiatus till the next Distant Lance episode drops. Brad. You can find me at bradgaroon.com slash ATW, where I'm currently reviewing every title change for every wrestling championship that I can find. You can find my podcast, Too Old to Date, on all the podcast places. It's a scripted comedy about um, two guys' relationships, um, and it's finished. So it's a full story from soup to nuts. And I'm on Twitter at GaroonGate. Thank you for flipping the pig. I flipped the pig. for my head.